they enjoy your passion. Very draining people, they zap your passion. People can get in the way of us doing what God is calling us to do. It's like a little... I had a friend of mine, I was... I've been driving truck, as some of you know, for the, making a commitment to my friend. And Friday night came and was my last trip. I can't tell you how happy I was Saturday morning was here. Uh, for the last two weeks and nights, I've been driving from here to Sycamus and back just to fulfill a commitment I made to my friend long before you called me as your pastor. And uh, my wife said, well, just phone him and tell him you can't do it. My response is, my yes is yes and my no is no. But I was glad my yes was over Saturday morning. Especially with this week with the landslides and the snow slides that were happening. But people can get in the way of us fulfilling the mission. And the young man said to me this morning, he said, well, you're finished. So if he calls, are you going to do it anymore? I said, not on your life. Because this is my passion now. You are my passion now. And nothing will stand in the way of me doing that. And I want to tell you, I love to drive. I love driving the truck. It makes me feel like a real man. <laughs> but I will not let it get in the way. People can get in the way. Secondly, being too busy to take time for spiritual renewal can get in the way of our passion. And so you're seeing, well, oh, Pastor Gary doesn't really put that on the overhead anymore. I mean, those other guys are flipping that in there just like nothing. Second thing, when you bring your Bible, bring a little notepad. Because I want you to remember what God is talking to you about each day that we speak. I'm going to help you my next week by starting with a little insert. So you don't have to bring your notepad. Just bring a pencil. Because I think that's important. But the th second thing that gets in the way of our passion is we get too busy. We get way too busy. And we don't take time for spiritual renewal. Jesus taught us the greatest example of that. And that is, if we learn anything from him, we learned he understood the principle of spiritual renewal. He understood the principle of getting away even from his disciples, so that he could spend time with God and just have his own renewal. So Pastor Freddie and I will be introducing into our schedules a day off. Right, Freddie? All right. Preach it, brother. A day off, because the church can consume us so much that we want to respond because we care so much for the church. We want to respond to the church. But in reality, what can happen, it begins to sap our passion for the church because we haven't taken the time for spiritual renewal. And that's what can happen to you. If you're just a doer of the do's and you don't take time for spiritual renewal. Time when you... I say this to our church leaders. Your lives are busy, folks. I know that. And then we add on church leadership responsibilities onto your plate, like elder or deacon or ministry council. I'm not telling you to quit. 
I'm telling you to dig in there with this, but take time for renewal. Take time as a leader to renew. Secondly, i to get going here. Secondly, like Elijah, we can be passionate about our dedication to our calling. Elijah was first mentioned in 1 Kings 19. From that point on, if you read through 1 and 2 Kings, his name does not appear again in the scriptures until our reading today. For the number of years between 1 Kings 19 and 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, Elijah was just doing what God had called him to do. He was simply out being Elijah's assistant. God expects every one of us to serve by serving others. I mentioned that last week. Igniting our faith requires us to be willing and wanting and desiring to serve others. But God calls us to serve without recognition. There's many things that we can do that we're human. We'd like to be recognized for the things we do. I want to tell you, my, my friends, I believe with all my heart when I get to heaven, and I'm hoping my wife and I get there at the same time. I'll let my theology kind of float here. I'd really like, this, like the elevator ride to happen any moment. You know what the elevator ride is? That's the rapture. And I'd like to be amongst a couple of sinners at the time it was happening. Because I'd like to grab one in each hand as I got zipped up to meet Jesus in the air and I'd look at each one of them and say, now do you believe or do I let go? But I'm, I'm anxious for that. Because I believe there's a mansion being built for me. And for my wife. And there's jewels that are going to be placed on the crown of our heads. I've been a pastor, I've been youth for Christ, I've been in ministry for 30 years. But you know, when Alice and I stand together in heaven, and I look at her crown, it's going to have a whole lot more jewels than mine. Because there's a lot of things she does that she just does without recognition. And there's a lot of you out there that just do things without recognition. But I want to tell you, Jesus recognizes Jesus recognizes. And this morning, if you're those folks that have just kind of been doing and doing and doing and somehow you haven't really felt appreciated, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will wrap his arms around you right now. And he will just whisper in your ear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You see, like Elijah, we can become passionate about what we do even though other people don't see it. What they will see is your passion. My, my wife works in home care. My wife works with seniors almost every day of her life. And I got to tell you, when she goes to work in the mornings, there is a brightness about her because she's passionate about every single person she's working with. And a lot of people are talking to her about her faith. Why? Because they see her passion. They see her passion when she baths them. They see her passion when she, when she gives them their medication. They see her passion when she just sits and talks with them. You too can have your passion alive.
by recognizing that you can have it. That the menial tasks that you might be doing at your workplace or in your neighborhoods are not meaningless to God. They're not meaningless to the people you're ministering to. They're important, and when you do it, they will see your passion. And thirdly and quickly, like Elijah, we will experience a sense of destiny. Like Elijah, we will experience a sense of destiny when our passion is ignited. Elijah saw the bigger picture. He got it. He finally knew in Kings chapter 2 that God was calling him to something that was far bigger and far greater than he could ever imagine about himself. God wanted him to do something that was bigger than he was currently doing. To be passionate about your ministry and service to others, you must have a sense of destiny that God has called you to something bigger than you are right now. That he has called you to something greater than you are right now. And I say this no matter how old you are or how young you are. If you are a member of the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ of Nazareth, then he has something very special to do. As a matter of fact, I'm convinced that each one of you who know Jesus still hasn't done that thing that he wanted you to do from the beginning. He has something very special for you as a member of his kingdom that only you can do. I can't do it. Pastor Ken can't do it. Pastor Freddie can't do it. Only you can do it. I don't know what it is. I do know that there's something very special that I need to do for God, and I know I haven't done it yet. But I know it's there. And how do I know I haven't done it? Because I'm still here. My Bible says that Jesus wants his bride to be with him, and I'm part of his bride. And he wants me to be with him. And I don't think he'll call me home until I complete whatever that task is. And I say that to you. I believe there is something that God has got for you. I don't know what it is. I don't know where it is. I don't even know what it looks like. But I know it's there. And that's your destiny. Elijah didn't actually know what his destiny was going to bring him. He just knew it was there. And when we have our passion ignited, it can continue to burn because we know we have a sense of destiny. Just ask any baseball player, major league baseball player that rode through the buses and the ridings of North America to play in small cities across North America. Why did they do it? So that they could drive in the bus and play in small cities across? No, because they believed they had a bigger destiny. They believed they could make it professionally. Ask Kurt Warner. You football fans will know him. I'm not much football fan, so I had to read this. He stacked grocery shelves and played arena football. But he believed there was a bigger destiny for him in that sport. He was a man of faith. And when he finally got the call into the NFL, he became the most successful NFL quarterback in history. Destiny, folks, is what keeps our passion burning. We seek to reach that destiny. I close with this simple little story before we go to communion. It's a story about a, a preacher 
an evangelist who traveled across continents sharing the gospel of Christ. And he was asked to speak to a group of singles in Florida about igniting their faith and their walk with God. And so he decided he was going to make it a family adventure. Well, who wouldn't? If I got invited tomorrow to Florida, you know I'm taking my family with me. For, for him, it was a speaking engagement, what is also going to be family time on the nice, tranquil beaches of Florida where it was nice and warm, and it was a good place to be. And so he took his little boy, Aaron, and he took his daughter with him and his wife. And after their first session, little boy Aaron wanted to go out to the beach. What had happened a couple of weeks before that got there is there had been a pretty significant tornado in the area and it's churned up the waters of the ocean and they weren't really swimmable. There was a lot of dirt and, and grime from the oceans, but the little boy wanted to go down anyway. So dad took him down to the beach and as he walking him down to the beach, little boy was excited and he looked around to his right and he saw about 50 or 60 of the singles there also coming down to the beach to enjoy it. And he caught out of his eye to, the, to his left a gentleman also making his way to the beach. It seemed like nobody paid any attention to him. And he caught him out of the corner of his left eye and he realized that he was a double amputee. And he was making his way to the beach on his crutches. And his first instinct was, and he followed his first instinct, was to not look at the left, but to turn to the right. And so he did. He turned to the right. And he put his shoulder on his little boy and turned him to the right. And began to talk to him and walk towards the people in the right. And his little boy stopped him and said, Daddy, I have to go help that man. This particular preacher said he froze in time with his own hypocrisy because he didn't turn to the left. He turned to the right. And his little boy ran over there, just a little guy, and he tried to help the man up. He picked up his crutch and he tried to lift the man up. And all of a sudden, the people on the right began to move towards the little boy and the man. And they came along and they picked up the crutches and they helped the, the, the man up on his feet and they walked him back to the hotel deck. And the little boy came running back to his dad with tears in his eyes. And he says, Daddy, I couldn't help him. I wasn't strong enough to help him. And all of a sudden, the light went on. And he said to his son, Son, you fulfilled your destiny for today. I failed mine. But you fulfilled yours. And if you hadn't have gone there, none of those people would have seen it because they saw your visible faith. A little boy who could hardly lift 50 pounds with every ounce of energy in his body trying to lift a grown man, a double amputee. They saw his faith and they responded immediately. And the whole crowd went over to him and they helped. What is your destiny? 
for God? What is your destiny for God? Because as you move towards it, you will be bringing others right along with you. They'll be coming right with you. Passion. If we are going to prepare our field for the rain, we must become passionate. We must become passionate people about the gospel. We must become passionate people of what Jesus did and paid so that we might be able to remember him today for us. We're going to ask our tech team to make a little switch. We're going to show the video at the end instead of at the beginning. This morning we get to participate in a tradition for evangelical Christians. And I understand this morning, I don't know if they're here yet, might have to preach, oh, here they come. So you say, might have to preach longer, and they're saying, oh, no. Whatever it is, please get here. I understand our grades fives and sixes this, this morning. They've had a lesson downstairs on communion, on why we take communion, why we participate in communion. And so their teachers have spent the morning, and they have... They have agreed to come and sit with their parents as we participate. If you're a visitor with us this morning, I want to share to you that our communion table is an open table. No, you do not have to be a Baptist. You can be just about anything but a Baptist. But the only one thing you do need to have is you need to have Jesus in your heart. You need to know that he's your Savior. You need to welcome him into your life in your design to move forward as him as Lord of your life. If that's your case, you're welcome to participate with us. So I'm going to ask those who are serving with me this morning to come forward, those who are participating, elders and deacons. We're going to do this traditionally by distributing the bread, and I would ask you to hold it until the cup arrives. And then we would participate together with both the bread and the cup. So I'm going to ask Ron if he would pray for the blessing of the bread. Dear Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your obedience to the Father, your willingness to go to the cross, to be a sacrifice for our sins, to stand there and be there in our place. Honor of that, we remember what you've done, and we thank you for this meal and what it represents, what it means for us as your adopted children now. So, Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. Amen. I'm going to ask Rita if she would pray for the blessing of the cup. Precious Jesus, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the blood that you shed on our behalf, and we praise you with all our hearts to be children of God. And may at this time our hearts just be lifted up to you with gratitude for what you have done.
remember today the greatest story ever told, demonstrated and committed to by the most passionate person in the whole universe. That's why it's called Passion Week. When Jesus came as a baby in a manger that we celebrated last week, and he grew into an adult, he knew his call. He was determined by his passion. And he knew his destiny. He said, by participating in the body that was broken for him, let's do this together. Following that, he took the cup with his disciples and he blessed it. He said, drink this in remembrance of my shed blood for you. Let's do that together. Now in closing, we're going to show a video. While that video is being shown, think. Think about what your call is and what your passion is. And in the center of your heart, cry out to God, give me a double portion. Give me a double portion.
is that God has moved in your hearts today. Now let's take forth his words when he said in his word, now go forth in all the world and bring the gospel. But let's do it passionately so people will get excited. Go now with his blessing in Jesus' name.